Well, God bless you guys. Good morning. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Happy Valentine's weekend. That got less favorable whoops and hollers. All right. I know where things stand. This is a great message then today. Uh, hey, listen, um, Pastor Dan did a great job of starting us off last week with our new series, Love Stinks. And this conversation started, actually, uh, Pastor Dan and I and Pastor Jamie were just talking about how love is really not an easy thing at all. It, it, it's sold, we're, it's promoted, it's marketed to make us believe that love is this thing we fall into. We don't even have any control over it. It's this wonderful uh, trap that, that before we even know it, we're just falling in love. And we're really convinced as well that love is a romantic posture of our emotions. And the reality is most of the love that we'll express or receive in life has nothing to do with romance. And that the love that we express in relationship has very little to do with romance. The love that you share between a husband and wife, between spouses, between a boyfriend and girlfriend, between fiancés, between those you're falling in love with, specifically in relationships, whether you're single now and you want to be in love, or you're married and have been in love, or possibly you're struggling with the idea that you are falling out of love. You have realized that love is very, very, very difficult. It's so difficult, in fact, that God had to command us to do it. If it was that easy, God would not have had to command us to do it. God doesn't have to say, I command you to have fun and feel pleasure. We just do that without his permission. But rather God says, I command you. The, the, the rich young ruler asked Jesus, what are the two? I have, I've done everything, Lord. I, I, I can't even believe how good I am at keeping the law. What is the most important just to make sure that I know I'm doing it all better than the rest of you? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love God. Love Him absolutely. And He said, but the second, which is equally important, equally important is to love others like you love yourself. So there's three-party love that goes on there, loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves. He says those are commands. Let me read a passage to you from John 13, 34 through 35. This is what Jesus says. So I give you a new command. Now, he was speaking to primarily Jews who understood the law and understood that it was exhausting to even try to keep up with the current commands that they were trying to live by. And he says, but I want to add something. A really, really bold statement. Only God can give commands. And so for Jesus to say this, he was identifying as God. I, so I give you a new command, love each other deeply and fully. Remember the ways that I have loved you, all the ways that I've done it, that's how you, and demonstrate your love for others in those same ways. Everyone will know you as my followers if you demonstrate your love to others. Jesus said the primary marking of a follower of Christ is the way we love. Not him, but others. Pastor Dan had a great quote last week, it's easy to learn stuff, 
It's easy to learn. It's easy to know. the. It's really hard to love people. And what you and I do is we accumulate a lot of information about each other, and we use that as a filter for whether or not we should love each other. Because you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican, I can't love you fully. If you're liberal, I'm conservative. If you're a conservative and I'm liberal, I can't love you fully. If you're gay and I'm straight, I can't love you fully. If you are a man and I'm a woman, we just don't know each other's world. If you're black and I'm white, I can't love you fully and you can't love me fully. We take information and we make it easy to judge one another. And when we include judgment in our relationships, it makes it nearly impossible to truly love each other. Love is sacrificial. It's selfless. It's forgiving, it's kind, it's, 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 it's promoting of others, it's protective of others, but we are not like that by our nature. We are selfish, we're self-involved, we're, we're judgmental, we're mean-spirited, we remember things, we're impatient. Love is the absolute opposite of what we are naturally, and that's why God commands us to love each other. And that's why divorce still happens. Divorce still happens because it becomes a time of unable to reconcile what I want with what I'm obligated to do for you because we have committed to love each other fully. I mean, we stand in front of dozens or hundreds or even thousands of people and we declare our love for each other and we declare our undying commitment that only death will separate us. Only death. Or if we get in too many arguments about money. Death Money, and if I don't feel equal in the relationship. Death, money, if I don't feel equal in the, Okay, death, money, if I don't feel equal in the relationship, and we're not having enough sex. Those four things. And bad communication. I'm going to add that on there. Death, money, bad communication, not enough sex, I don't feel equal. Oh, and health problems. That's another leading cause of divorce. If you get sick, I know I said sickness and health, but listen, I mean, there's a limit. I can only put up with so much sick. So death, money, are you getting the point that we don't do love very well? So us up here, we're just going to share a few of the things that we've picked up. These, this is in no way comprehensive, but this is stuff that we've learned about ourselves and how tough it is to do love in certain seasons of our relationships that we think will translate well to most of you today, okay? So there's some notes for you to take I encourage you to write down things that aren't in your notes because we just threw some scriptures in there. There's some points. We're going to try and make it sound like we actually planned this really well. <laughs> but what we really wanted to do was talk uh, from our hearts. So we thought it would be a good idea to represent uh, different um, demographics of what relationship looks like. And uh, Pastor Jamie and Jared, you're the, you're the young pups, at least on stage. And how long have you guys been married? Eight years. Um, use that uh, microphone there, Pastor Jared. Listen, if you'll I'm not going to share. You guys have been married eight years, and you have how many kids? And what's the oldest? We have three kids. Our oldest is six. Our youngest is two. So uh, the three last kid. one was not timed as we would have timed it. <laughs> the um, the surprise blessing from the Lord. We call those children. Um, <laughs> So anyone, how many of you guys have kids? Okay, lots and lots of people, and some of them may be in your category right now, which is 
Um, we don't have time for literally anything else because we've got a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and the one in between. So uh, share a little about maybe some of the struggles that you're going through and how, to, how hard it is to love and then what you guys are doing to uh, prioritize that. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, our life has happened in themes because when we lived in L.A., uh, we were so busy that we felt it was really difficult to love our friends, love each other, uh, to do all the things that we wanted to do to show people that we cared about them. And then we moved up here and we had like this break where it was like, man, the pace is so much different up in Northern California. People don't expect you to be busy all the time and it was great. And then two more kids happened. <laughs> and now I was like, oh, this is a very familiar feeling of not having time to do all the things that you wanna do, not having enough time for each other. So we've had to come up with strategies, and they're very simple. Uh, some of you are probably going to say, yeah, and some of you are going to say, like, yeah, I, I knew that, but I'm glad they're voicing it. Um, so I think, like, if we could summarize it, it's take time every time to love each other. Take time every time to love each other, and that's in your notes. And we find ways of doing that, but let me, let me pause on that, and I want to read a verse for you that's going to be familiar uh, if you've ever been to a wedding, it's in Genesis. Go ahead and throw that up because I don't have memorized. Uh, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. So that's in Genesis. It's kind of establishing this, uh, the, the idea of marriage and what it means to be married as Christians, what marriage is. Uh, and it talks about being united as one flesh. And I'll tell you what, it's hard to be united with someone if you're constantly mm. apart. That's good. And if you, you know, life kind of takes us apart. And if we don't find ways of uniting, then that apartness becomes the norm. Wow. And then we just become not one flesh anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we've, we've ripped apart over time what God mended at one time. I'm sorry, my voice is going to crack. I lost my voice this morning. So <laughs> it's gone. Uh, you, can so, yeah. you can cry, Jared. It's no, okay it's, to know. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I've, I've had the cracky voice up here too before. <laughs> so I'm just going to let Pastor Jamie talk a little bit about that. Um, Wait, so, do you call her Pastor Jamie at home? Yeah. All the time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little weird. I can give you some marriage advice. You probably want to. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, no, no. We're way more casual. Reverend? <laughs> Pastor Jared. Um, so we've kind of have found a way to do a rhythm for us, and it hasn't always been like this. It's evolved over the years. You kind of have to see where you're at now and uh, let it evolve. But we take time daily, weekly, monthly, and then yearly. That's kind of our strategy. So daily. Um, I'm going to start off with that. We... Sometimes we're at the point now where some days we're around each other like half an hour. Hmm. It's, I've heard it said before, it's like ships passing in the night is what it kind of feels like. And that doesn't work for a healthy marriage all the time. So we've been trying to figure out, especially recently, how do we make this work better? And thinking about what Jesus did, right? Um, we see a, a passage in Mark. I think it's Mark 135. You can pull that up too. When Jesus was hounded all day, right? People were sick, and he had compassion for them, and he healed them. Demons were cast out. He was tired. He was doing this into the night, right? And what did he do? In the morning, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, 
went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And I'm like, he was working late into the night, Mm. gets up into the morning, does that, and guess what he was doing later that day? Traveling to a new city to go and heal more people, pray for more people, preach of the kingdom. And here I am like, yeah, I do ministry, but I have these kids and, you know, it's not always awesome ministry. I'm not off like healing people all the time, right? Um, Sometimes it's the kids like, I need more food. I need more chicken nuggets and I'm tired, Um, but I still need time with him. So what do we do? What's a healthy thing? And for the last couple of years, Jared, he's a morning person. I'm a night person. He's like, we should get up early in the morning before the kids get up. And we should spend time together and exercise and do our devotions together. And I like sleeping, (laughs) right? So I've been like, no. And then about a month ago, I'm like, okay, let's try it. Because we're at the point now where we need it. Mm. Like, this is necessary for us. We say we value being in the word. We say we value our health. We value these things. And we've been doing them more sporadically, right? It's been more like on his time, on my time, but then things come up. And it hasn't been as consistent as we need it to be. And we need time together. So we started doing it. Started waking up at 5 a.m. before the kids got up. Every single day, waking up, exercising, doing devotions. We do have a couple off days. Um, And it's just been a way for us. I love it. Now when the kids wake up early, I'm like, go back to bed. 15 more minutes. I need 15 more minutes. Um, Because we get to start off our day together, which is very special. And I'll let him take the next one. And we have just about one minute, so super, super encourage them with your, with your last point. <laughs> weekly, uh, we won't throw the verse up, we'll just skip that entirely. But weekly, we want to find some time, and historically, the, the day for family was the Sabbath. And we find Sabbath very important. If you mm. missed the message on rest and Sabbath, go ahead and rewatch that, plug for that. Uh, but yeah, we, we, find, we, we make Sabbath sacred. There are things that come up, you know, big family events, things that happen, but we try and make a, a family day, a Sabbath family day once a week. And that is really our way of uh, uh, experiencing the future kingdom now. God mm. wants us to live the kingdom now and the future kingdom, there's going to be rest. There's yeah. going to be Sabbath rest. I had a verse on Hebrews. It's great. Read Hebrews. It talks about <laughs> Sabbath rest and how we get little foretastes of rest, of the, the big taste of rest that's going to be in the kingdom. But that's what we're, we're called to experience a little bit of now by taking one day and making it sacred and making it a sacred day of rest. So I encourage you to do that. And then, you know, monthly, we, we at least once a month want to have a special date night, date, day, depending on, on the month. And then uh, we try to do a family vacation once a year, which is the other two. So that's how we do it. And honestly, if you're not in a relationship, I encourage you to apply this outside of an intimate relationship with your friends. It sometimes gets hard because you're busy to make time to love friends, but those are your relationships. Your family and friends are the yeah. relationships you're supposed to be pouring into now. Don't become married and then regret that you haven't built those relationships mm. or regret that you didn't use your time now wisely. Don't feel like you have to be busy, but invest now. Use this model of like, how am I, am I just texting my best friend daily? And then am I hanging out with them once a week? Whatever it is, uh, make, find that pattern of like, be intentional, is, I think is what I'm trying to get at. If we're not intentional, we're going to let time slip. Amen. So be intentional. Thank you. Give them a hand. That was really good. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask a question, and it may make you feel a little bit uneasy or awkward, and I don't mean to do that, but it's a reality within the church, outside the church, so it's, it's, we're not going to pretend it doesn't happen. How many of you guys 
um, have been divorced. I'm not asking if you're remarried necessarily. How many of you guys have been uh, divorced? Quite a few uh, people. And uh, statistically, now you hear 50% marriage end in divorce. It's absolutely untrue. It's never actually been the case. As a matter of fact, divorce is on the decline. It's at the lowest it's been in decades. Um, essentially, that came from them saying, if the trend continues this way, 50% of marriages will end in divorce. The reality is, though, that not every marriage makes it, and there are countless reasons why. We're not going to focus on that. We're going to talk about what it looks like when you are in that next relationship. And those of you who are remarried understand that that second or third marriage, that can become incredibly difficult um, when you're blending families together. And uh, Pastor Dan and Pastor, uh, Pastor Teresa um, have, have both been married and they've blended families and experienced some of those. So I wanted them to share a little bit about their encouragement. Yeah, thanks. Uh, interesting uh, about the stats. One of the reasons why people are not, the divorce rate has gone down is because people aren't getting married. So you don't hear about the split ups, but it's happening. Way to ruin a good stat, Dan. Well, thank you. <laughs> I had them believing we were heading in the right direction. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, the reality is relationships are breaking up more often mm -hmm. than ever. It's, it's still an issue. Um, and, you know, Teresa and I, just kind of give our background, we've been married 12 years now. And uh, we have nine kids and almost 13 grandkids, right? We're going to have 13 next month. Marie, you here? <laughs> no, anyway. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, we want to we talk a little bit about, you know, blended families off, off also, but we want to start by talking about single a little because that's where we found ourselves, hmm. unexpectedly single. And I believe that, you know, giving some love to the singles is important. Do we have any singles out there? Let's hear a <laughs> round, round of applause. Singles. <laughs> Okay, especially, good. Especially with this being Love Month, mm. we have many singles friends that call it Single Awareness Day. Valentine's yes. Day is tough yeah. for the single friends, so if you know any, definitely make sure you're giving them some love. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, but uh, we came into this period of singleness, and actually we both spent some time trying to heal and grow, and then that's what uh, you know, ended up helping us find a healthy relationship together. Uh, the uh, point number two for those of you who are waiting to fill it in is uh, <laughs> keep love constant when everything else has changed. And if there's one thing you need to know when you get into a blended family situation is there's going to be a whole lot of change. Mm. There's going to be a whole lot of unexpected things happening in right. your life. And there's a verse that I want to read that has nothing, not one word love in it, but it's a reality mm. that I think if you're in a blended family, you can identify with. Others can too. The verse is in uh, John chapter 16, 33, and it says this, I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. So in other words, Jesus is saying, my goal is for you to have peace. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Being in a blended family, I would say 99% of the time, usually about a 65% divorce rate for second marriages. Mm. It's hard. It's just hard. We've experienced that in our own marriage from the get-go. Yeah, often I would say I feel like we're in a hurricane and Dan and I are in the center of it like this, just while everything was going around us. Mm. and. We had to be intentional because when you have 
so many other forces coming in, it, it could easily break us apart. Thankfully, we both love Jesus, we pray, we've done therapy before, but um, it was so, it's been so important for us to put each other first and to make this relationship you know, very intentional. That's good. Yeah, and in fact, uh, we highly recommend counseling. Yeah. Uh, we so, love therapy. W- yeah, we do. Some of our favorite thing. Can we go to therapy this week? <laughs> <laughs> it saved our marriage at times. So in the very beginning, when hard things would happen, we would go to a counselor, talk it through. And I'm, I can't tell you how often it was not related to us. It was how we were responding to mm. the hurricane going on around us. The kids' drama, the, the, the kids' other parent who was involved that was undermining what we were trying to do as parents, and all those kinds of things happening, uh, we would got to the point where we would go to a counselor and say, hey, we don't have an issue. We're going great, but we have this event coming up. There's going to be the extended family there. We'd like some pointers. We want to kind of get our game plan together. And so it helped us to get to a point where actually preventatively Uh, avoiding problems as opposed to having to deal with them after the fact. So I would say just if you're in a blended family situation, know that you're going to have some difficulty. That's just like Jesus said. You're going to have trouble in the world, but you can have peace if you're a team, if you stay together and and lean on the Lord. Um, There's another verse I want to read to you guys that does have the word love in it because, you know, (laughs) I want you to get your money's worth. Romans (laughs) 5.8 says this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet, while we were still sinners. What does that have to do with us? Uh, We need to understand if you are in a blended family situation, you have to lead with love regardless of what the outcome is going to be. You can Mm. probably sometimes almost guarantee a negative outcome, Hmm. even though you're going to be loving. You can't respond in kind or in the way that you think, uh, well, I'll do this if this happens. You just have to do it. I'll give you an example. I have a friend who, who wrote a book called uh, Parent Wars. It's very common in a blended family situation where uh, the kids will go to the other spouse's house. Maybe that's the fun parent. They have lots of money. They're doing all the fun things, and you're just grinding it out, doing the responsible things. And you can even do things like when the kids come home, oh, I had so much fun at dad's or at mom's. You, you, you feel like rolling your eyes and like, well, you don't know what they do and they're so irresponsible and you mm. feel like saying all these things. But what could happen is without you realizing it, you can actually undermine your children's ability to obey the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment says... Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say if they're deserving of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give any qualifications. It tells us because of the lines of authority that God set up, we are to honor our parents. Now, I know some of us have horrible parents, but we don't want to be the ones that are helping our kids undermine themselves because that's a promise that has uh, that or that's a commandment that has a promise attached to it, a promise of blessing. Yeah. And so we have to sometimes, like Jesus did, we have to do the right thing in spite of the fact that somebody else is misbehaving. Mm-hmm. And trust that God's going to work it out in the long run. Because a blended family situation, often you're playing a long game. Yeah. You're not playing a short game for instant gratification or instant relationship. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, by the way, uh, the, the clock is incorrect. It keeps resetting itself uh, back at media, just to let you know that. Um, so, thank you for that. Give them a big hand. That's really good. Um, and I do want to encourage you, if you're struggling in any of these areas and you want to continue that conversation uh, with anyone, please do that. Obviously, we don't have time to cover everything up here. So, when it came to Lisa and I uh, wanting to kind of choose what we would share, uh, I said, I, honey, I just feel like we're perfect and we probably need to tell people how to have a perfect marriage. Um, no, we, I, we thought it was important to share actually what we shared. So if you're, you went to the marriage retreat, you'll, this will sound a little familiar. Um, I think one of the biggest evolutionary challenges that we face during our marriage, and we've been married for 29 years, it'll be 30 in June, and um, thank you. Um, I will tell you that um, the person I married is not here anymore, right? right? Um, that's why I, I made our point, say, um, uh, that love the person you're married to as much as the one that you married, um, because I'm not the same Chris that stood at that altar 29 years ago, and Lisa's not the same uh, Lisa that stood at that, and that can be incredibly challenging to continue to love, because you fall in love... That infatuation is with that person at that time in their life. And when they become, they unbecome that person, you start questioning whether they've been a fraud the whole time, whether you're capable of loving this person. For Lisa and I, um, she was a much different person in our relationship, kind of because of the way she was raised. And so when I married her, my role and her role were totally different. And you can maybe give a little background on yeah, I, what that looks like. Um, I was the youngest of five. So I just kind of went with the flow with everything. And I was the youngest, the baby, and kind of got away with everything. And, Hold the mic higher. Um, so yeah, when we got married. Hold the mic higher. Oh, there you go. Um, I kind of let him make the decisions. And I had no issue. It was good. It worked for us. And I was fine with it. I didn't want to. Um, three months, we. After we got married, we moved to Missouri, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Where are we, first of all? <laughs> a small little town in Missouri. And I kind of started finding my voice and going, I kind of want to have a little bit more voice in the marriage. And um, it's changed us. And life, you know, circumstances change us. Every move that we had has changed us. And so... Um, every child that we've every had. Every child changed, that we've yeah. had. Yeah, every transition. So... We're constantly evolving and just the need to shower grace on our spouse and shower love and respect for one another and uh, just sharing how we're feeling because that first year was really tough for us. Yeah, and it was tough because I felt like she was calling my integrity or my ability, my wisdom. It, it, I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, why all of a sudden do you care about this? I, you were fine with me doing all this before, and why? So it made me feel insecure that everything she asked felt like an accusation that I wasn't doing it right. And even, I mean, today, we haven't grown out of this at all. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing something. Oh, great. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, okay. let me give you something she did this morning. Um, but we'll be doing some, I, in our house, I, I handle the, the finances, and I've kind of always done that. I, I inherited 
good financial management from my dad. And so she's always trusted me to, to be that person. But we'll be doing something. Uh, I think it was last year. Or, yeah, last year we bought the gazebo, like this uh, or a per pergola thing for the backyard. And it was on clearance at Sam's. And I said, that would look great out there where the fire pit is. And, and she goes, I mean, can we afford that? And I'm like, no, I thought I would put us in financial ruin because um, I just like doing that. But you're totally right. Why would I buy this? And so I felt like that was an accusation of me. Her, she's wanting to make sure that we're secure, right? Um, women tend to want to really feel that safety and security in their home and don't want anything to jeopardize that. She's, what she's really asking is, Will we be able to afford to do a vacation this year? Can we still go out with the kids and us pick up the tab? And not can we afford it, but will this take away resources that could be going to somewhere else? I get insecure and go, what, what is it? Do you want to do finances? Do you want to, you, you know what? Starting today, you're going to do the bills. Like, Good okay, luck. Here's the it. login information <laughs> for Chase. Have fun. And uh, let her go through all the stress and then determine whether we can afford something. And then I pull that back pretty quickly because I'm like, I don't want to find out the wrong way that uh, I should have held on to this. Um, uh, but but the, the uh, scripture I wanted to share with you, uh, which unfortunately my notes didn't come over to my iPad. I'll just read them. Uh, actually, it's off First, first Peter. It says this, the same goes for you, wives. This is an encouragement on how to interact with each other. And remember, this was during an era in which um, culturally and in historically, women were not equals at all. Uh, the same goes for you, wives. Be good wives to your husbands. And this, he goes on to then give the qualifications for what that looks like. Responsive to their needs. Now, let me pause right here and just say this. Our needs change. What we needed as husbands at the beginning is different than what we need later, 5, 10 years down the road, 20 years, 30 years down the road. There are husbands who are, as, who are who as indifferent as they are to any words about God, in other words, unbelieving husbands, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. Ladies, the fact of the way, the way you behave is so powerfully influential, Paul says it can actually win men's hearts over to Christ. Did you hear that? That's how persuasive your inner beauty is. What matters is not your outer appearance. And other it, it implies what doesn't matter as much is the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, the things culture tells us is what makes you attractive. But your inner disposition, how you carry yourself, how you treat people, the same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. And here's the qualifier. Honor them. Delight in them. Honor them is something that men do one to another. That's a form of respecting each other. Honor them and, uh, um, um, and uh, delight in them. Enjoy them. And then it goes on to say this. As women lack some of your advantages, and everyone pretty much agrees except for hillbillies in Arkansas who misunderstand the Bible all the time, uh, is that this means, men, you are more physically capable and you can dominate if you choose to. You can overpower women if you want to. You can use your position, you can use your size, you can use your strength to intimidate them into submission. But in the new life of God's grace as followers of Christ, your equals. 
Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. It's so important that we do this as men that God says, I will not answer your prayers unless you treat your wife the way that you're supposed to. The mandate is on us, both men and women, to treat our wives consistently and treat our husbands consistently through our marriage the way that we are commanded to. And that's what I want to close with. That you have a command in your life that is equal to the command. This is how important it is that you love your spouse, your future spouse, your current spouse, that you love your spouse the way that you love God. Because Jesus himself said these are equally important commandments. As a matter of fact, the passage I read at the very beginning when Jesus says, I add another commandment, and he says, you have to love each other the way I've loved you because that's how everyone will know that you are a follower of me. There are two relationships that God promotes in the Bible, and he equates to his relationship with us, and it's this. As a father to a child, and he's the groom and we're the bride. Because those are the two relationships we understand the most and where love is most difficult. Those of you who have adult children, you know parenting adult children way harder than parenting young children. Their kids still think they're in charge, right? Still, they still look up to them as the heroes. They still, so you know that loving adult children and receiving love back becomes more transactional. It's more difficult. You find yourself on other sides of the fences uh, when it comes to politics or morality or life decisions and choices. You start getting angrier at the things that they do because you start feeling like you're in less control. Imagine the frustration of God the Father when he sees all of his misbehaved children. And yet he still loves us unconditionally. And as Pastor Dan read that scripture, he came to us while we were still yet sinners. So we love our kids, our spouse, no matter what we get back in return, because that's what true love looks like. That's the commanded love. That's not the fallen love. You don't fall into that kind of love. You have to work at it. And the other relationship he talks about is spouse to spouse. And he says, he's the husband and we're the bride. And if you look at the way that Christ treats the bride, it's sacrificial, it's loving, it's covering, it's forgiving, it's forgetting, it's patient, it's tender, doesn't keep score. It's really, really hard. I will share with you, Lisa and I, uh, we got home from vacation late last night. We were both exhausted. We are in the car. I said something that sounded short. She said something back that sounded short. And so we just kind of went to bed. I was really tired. I went to bed before her and uh, got up this morning. I had to rush out uh, early. And um, I got here and I said, uh, she said, I, I'm, we need to go over what we're talking about. And I said, I'm, what, are you going to apologize? And uh, she goes, are you going to apologize? And I said, what do I need to apologize for? And she said, you were short and rude. And I was like, How? what? what? Meh? Oh, no. And we went over what we were going to talk about. And then we came to the front row and I said, you still haven't apologized. And uh, she said, and you haven't either. And I said, uh, okay, we'll do it on three. One, two, three. <laughs> and on three, I said, you're sorry. And uh, all of you shut your judgmental mouths right now. 
you have to know by this point we're laughing through the whole thing, but that's how, that's how uh, scorekeeping happens. And uh, if we never talked about it, we would just gunny sack that and we would keep it for later use. And, and then we would say, you're always rude. You never do this. You're always disrespecting me. And if we go, what are you talking about? Then we've got a whole list of things that we never brought up, we never worked through, we never talked through. That's why Jesus says, when you sin, well, the Bible says this, when you sin, you have an advocate who goes to the Father on your behalf. Somebody who covers you and goes, I'm not going to let anyone see you differently than I see you. And that's perfect. Righteous. Everything you do is right. I'm going to cover the mistakes. I'm going to cover the failures. I'm going to cover the brokenness. Listen, marriage is hard because love is really hard. But I'm going to tell you this. If you value anything in your Christian walk more than you value loving people, then you're not doing it right. And I have to tell you, the church is not doing it right. The church, capital C, we're so passionately connected to getting the right person in office or getting this issue addressed or shutting down this cultural uprising or making these people be quiet or letting everyone know how immoral they are, we have forgotten what it looks like to just love people. Love people. And if you are unable to love people outside of your home, I want you to start practicing with everything in you to love the people inside your home. Because God says, I'm not really interested in hearing your prayers, not really interested in advancing your goals and dreams until you get the basics right. Love and honor each other. This is good. I don't need the amens if you're not ready to give it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm 100% right. Not because I said so, but because the Bible says so. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give you a second to just have a moment because this isn't a couple decision you're getting ready to make. This is a you decision because your spouse may not be ready to make the same decision to love you the same way you're getting ready to commit to love them. I watched a documentary yesterday on the plane and it was about a volcano in New Zealand that erupted while all these tourists were on that volcano island and this couple were terribly terribly burnt and the wife didn't look like she was going to make it and the husband refused to leave her side they were newlyweds on their honeymoon and as the ash and rock and the boiling hot steam fell there's one spot on his wrist that's completely perfect and it's where his wife's hand was wrapped around his wrist. In the total darkness and in the covering of the volcanic ash and, and, and fire that covered them. And she said, I love him so much. That represents my covering, my hand on him represents that I'll never let him go. And I thought, man, if, if we could all start marriage realizing how quickly it could be taken away from us 
maybe if we sealed that moment, how deeply we loved them in that moment, it might be easier 30 years later to remember that there is nothing bigger or more important than the love God calls us to have one for another starting in our own homes. And so I want to challenge you this morning. If you believe that God is stirring something in your heart to improve, correct, build on, amplify, perfect the love you have, not just for people outside the home, not for those across the planet who are in the middle of tragedy and you'll open your wallet to them, but the forgiveness and the mercy and the patience and the kindness and the, the, the ripping up the scorecard, all the things that it takes to do the hard work of love. If you're going to commit to a different kind of love today, beginning in your home, would you just put your hand up with the others who are raising their hand? Yeah. That's awesome. God, we are not natural lovers. That's why you commanded us. So let us become students of what love really looks like. Watch the way you interact. Watch the mercy you shower us with. Even when you feel angry, you pull back your anger and you extend mercy. The angriest version of you that we see through the Old Testament, you still fight for Israel who keeps turning their back on you. You still bless them even when they turn their back. You still want to forgive them. There is nothing that our spouse, our kids, our stepkids, our in-laws have done to us that matches the amount of misery, disobedience, rebellion, and pain we've brought to you. And yet you came to us while we were, we were still yet sinners. And so we pray for that ability now to love like you love so that people, the world knows that we are truly followers of Christ. We love everybody. But we want to validate that by loving those in our home first so that our love is without hypocrisy. And we pray it all, thanking you now in advance for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.